Would you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, that is our prayer today. That you would fall fresh upon us. We know that you have invited us into this time, whether we are here in person or we are watching online. Jesus, we thank you, we worship you as Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move among us afresh, not just in this time, but in the week and in the year ahead. Oh Lord, only you know what you have in store, what you wanna do in each one of our lives, what you wanna do in our church. And Holy Spirit, we just declare, even as we start this new year, our dependence upon you. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh upon us. Amen. Well, happy new year. New year, new message series. I really appreciated Pastor Aaron's message last week and inviting us uh, to reflect on on the invitation of Jesus to go deeper with him, uh, to pray and encounter him in new ways in this year ahead. Today, we're starting a new series back on Harvest Sunday. We shared our five-year vision with you, and the heart of that is becoming a life-giving orchard where people being spiritually formed like healthy fruit-bearing trees results in seeds of restoration being sown across Westland and our surrounding metro Detroit communities. That looks like cycles of brokenness being reversed, epidemic of isolation being dispelled, every generation being discipled, new leaders emerging and being mobilized and empowered to start new trees within the orchard. This is where we are headed with Jesus, the destination that we are committing to arrive at with him in the next three to five years. I don't know about you, but our family did some traveling over the holidays. Anybody else do some traveling? How many of you drove? Okay, most of us, most of us. Each time we got in the car, we had a destination in mind. We were going to three different places. We had a plan for what time we were going to leave, what time we were going to arrive at each of them. We had the address. We knew where we were going. Our return home trip was the longest. It was 541 miles from Bel Air, Maryland to Westland, Michigan. Now, I am someone who prides myself on learning how to get somewhere. So I will use a GPS to get there the first time, but the second time, I like to make it hard on myself and to see, did I learn how to get there or did I learn how to get back? But on long trips like this, I always use a navigation app. You never know when there's going to be an accident that pops up. You never know when there's going to be traffic or detour or construction or whatever. And I don't know the routes other than the main route to get to where I'm going. So I always have a navigation app ready to go. Jesus has not only given us a vision of where he wants to take us, becoming this life-giving orchard, he has also provided us with a map of sorts for how to get there. We're going to spend several uh, weeks talking about both our vision and then this map that Jesus has given us for how he's going to lead us to this destination where he's taking us. And our scriptural basis for this entire message series is the Gospel of John, particularly a portion of the Gospel of John, chapter 14 through 17. Anyone know what these chapters are famous for in the Gospel of John? I didn't expect you to. It's okay. This is Jesus' farewell discourse, his final parting instructions, his final teaching, his final prayer for and with his disciples 
before his arrest and death on a cross and resurrection from the grave. In Jesus' farewell discourse, he is going to give his followers final preparations for how to navigate this world, how to carry on his mission in this world without Jesus' human physical presence with them. And as we're going to see this morning, the key is going to be a promise of someone Jesus will send to his followers once he is gone. The gift that Jesus will send to his followers will be their travel companion, the navigation app for this world, the energy that fuels Jesus' followers to carry on Jesus' mission in this world. And this gift will help followers of Jesus see the kingdom of God expand, Jesus' mission expand exponentially here on earth in even greater ways than it could have had Jesus stayed rather than sending this promise that he is going to be talking about today. We're going to start this morning by reading a a fairly lengthy passage of scripture. And if anybody can tell, if you're coming here on a regular basis, you know this is not my normal voice, right? Okay, great. A little, yes, a little husky, yes. So anytime there's a passage of scripture up on the screen today, I'm going to ask for a little bit of interaction, okay? That's going to be my opportunity to rest my voice. (laughs) So somebody, I don't care who, I want, when you see a passage of scripture pop up on the screen, somebody be bold and brave and shout it or read it as loud as you can from where you are, okay? Can you help me with that? Awesome. Okay, and one other instruction. As we're reading through this lengthy passage of Scripture, I want you to be looking for certain things. I want you to look for anything that catches your attention. I want you to look for anything that's repeated. And I want you to jot it down on a piece of paper, or if you're somebody who's more digital, you know, pull up a note app or something, or start a text message to somebody that it's okay if you accidentally text them. And just make a couple of notes about what sticks out to you or what kinds of things are repeated. So, I should tell you where we're going. This is John chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. So would somebody start by reading us? There's like five slides here, so we need like five readers for this passage, okay? Somebody start us off. Thanks, Roxanne. All right, can we get somebody to keep reading? The next slide. Thank you, Joy. Somebody for this slide. Thank you, Rhonda. All right, somebody, only two slides left, I think. No, maybe three. Thank you. 
Thank you, Barry. All right, two more to go. The last one's short, so if you want a short one, hold out for that one. Awesome. Thank you. One slide left. I heard somebody starting over here, so go ahead. Awesome. Thank you all so much. All right. Now to the second part of this. What stands out to you? Was there anything that stuck out to you? Anything that was repeated a couple times? Love. You? Yep. Yeah, <clears throat> keeping commands. That was actually connected to love, right? Advice? Yep, Jesus is giving advice, preparing them for his departure. What else? Jesus' obedience to the will of the Father. Great, I heard another one. Somebody was, somebody was getting ready. Come on, be bold. I heard you. Maybe they took it. Okay. Anything else stick out to you? Yeah. In language. In language. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. You guys are finding. Ooh. Yes. Comparison or contrast, yep, between the world and those who love Jesus. Okay. Holy Spirit, yeah, a couple different names here for the Holy Spirit, too. Okay. God, yes. Father, yes, good. Awesome. Anybody else? I think you guys highlighted everything that we're going to be talking about this morning. Great. All right. So, just a reminder, the setting for what we just read. Jesus is in the upper room. He's eaten his last meal with his disciples before his arrest. He's done this after he washed their feet to demonstrate his humility, to demonstrate his love for them. Judas has already left mid-meal to go and betray Jesus. And when Jesus says, come now, let us leave, most believe that this is the point where they got up from the table and they walked out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And that the rest of what we read comes as Jesus is speaking and teaching his disciples as they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prays and is eventually arrested. The thrust of this passage this morning is a promise that Jesus makes to his followers. Yes, he is going to leave them. He's not going to be with them much longer, but he is not going to leave them as orphans. 
He's not going to abandon them to fend for themselves and to figure out how in the world do we navigate this world? What do we do with what Jesus has just done amongst us over these last three years? How do we carry that on without him? He has been preparing them for his departure. And when he does leave, he's going to send to them a gift that will make new realities possible for them. Jesus' departure is not going to be the end, but the exciting beginning of a new chapter for his followers. Who are the recipients of Jesus' promise here? His loving followers. Throughout this passage, you, you guys highlighted it. We can't miss the connection between love and keeping Jesus' commands. It's repeated throughout this passage. In verse 15, somebody, for 15 and 16, remember, anytime it slides up here, somebody read it, please. Thank you. Loving Jesus. Loving Jesus is much more than warm, fuzzy feelings that we get when we sing our favorite worship song. Loving Jesus is our response to Jesus when we have experienced his deep love for us. And as we spend a lifetime experiencing his love for us, receiving his love for us and loving him in return. And we're gonna come back to this in a moment because that may sound daunting, but the gift that Jesus promises is going to help us receive Jesus' love and help us respond to Jesus' love throughout our entire lives. And to clarify, the only obedience that is required to receive this gift is believing in Jesus and committing to follow him for the rest of our lives. So what, rather, who is this gift that Jesus promises to all who choose to follow him? The Holy Spirit. The advocate in verse 16. The spirit of truth is the name in verse 17. Directly named by Jesus, as you just said, as the Holy Spirit, in verse 26. Twice in this passage, the name advocate is given to the Holy Spirit. Parakletos in Greek, which means advocate or helper or intercessor or, I'm making up a word here, come alongside her. While Jesus is going to leave his disciples, the Holy Spirit will be with them. And this is important. What was the word there? Who will be with you? Forever, forever, forever. The Holy Spirit, the gift that Jesus sends to every one of his followers is a helper who is on our side. The Holy Spirit is the one who is at work within us, inviting us to experience deeper levels of Jesus' joy-filled wholeness and abundant life that Jesus wants us to experience. The Holy Spirit is the one who is helping us to respond to Jesus' love as we experience greater depths of Jesus' love. And we respond to Jesus' love by living in obedience to Jesus. And that process of, of conforming our lives to Jesus is known as spiritual formation. And it's something that the Holy Spirit makes possible within the lives of Jesus' followers. Gary Burge put it this way. The Holy Spirit is God's spirit. The Holy Spirit ushers to us the presence of Father and Son to indwell us and to share fellowship with us. Hence, as God was at work on the cross in Christ to save us, so now God is at work in the Spirit to transform us. I cannot underscore sufficiently how important this is. God is on our side. He is at work renewing us and loving us, and this is the gospel. 
This isn't some harsh or strict obedience that Jesus demands. It's genuine love for Jesus that is the natural result of experiencing greater depths of his love for us. As I experience Ashley's love for me, I want to love her more fully in return. And I spend my lifetime, I spend our entire marriage wanting to love her as God wants me to love her. Is that because I'm being forced to do so? No, that is my heart's desire. That is what I want to do as I am called to love her and as I experience her love for me. In my relationship with Jesus, as I experience greater depths of Jesus' love for me, I want to love him more and better in return. Even Jesus himself is the example of this kind of love. As he shows in verse 31 that it is out of love for the heavenly father that Jesus does as the heavenly father has commanded. Jesus carries out the father's plan, the father's mission. And again, even as he says, come let us leave, he knows full well what lies ahead. Even this great act of obedience in going to face his arrest and his crucifixion is out of love for the father and obedience to God's plan for the redemption of humanity or the world as we'll talk about here in just a minute and out of love for you and for me. As followers of Jesus receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, this helper who helps us to respond to the depths of Jesus' love for us enables us to love Jesus in return. As we are spiritually formed and transformed more into the likeness of Jesus, it results in attention. And we pointed this out earlier between those who love and follow Jesus. Where was I at here? Yes, between those who love and follow Jesus and another entity that appears multiple times throughout our passage today, the world. In John 14, we see a repeated contrast between followers of Jesus and the world. In verse 17, the world can't accept the spirit, but we can because we know him. Verse 19, the world won't see Jesus, but we will see him. Verse 27, the peace that Jesus gives to his followers versus what this world has to offer. In verse 30, Jesus versus the prince of this world. There's several contrasts between Jesus and his followers. So who or what is the world? We could have a very, very long conversation here about who or what the world refers to. It's complex, let me just say that, okay? In John's gospel, we see that the world is both something that Jesus speaks into existence. It's something Jesus creates as well as people who inhabit the world who are living in rebellion rather than obedience to God. So when Jesus speaks of the world here in John 14, it is more the sense of something threatening to his purposes, something that is currently living in a state of opposition to what Jesus wants to do in this world. But here's the incredible tension that we also have to live with. Jesus' very purpose, Jesus' very mission in coming into the world is because of God's unfathomably deep love for this world, for the very people living in rebellion toward him. John 3, 16. So if we, as Jesus' followers, are being formed more into the image of Jesus, if we are embodying more and more of God's heart toward the world, you better believe we need help. We need help to embody Jesus' mission, 
We need help to navigate this complex relationship with the world. Ah, perhaps, perhaps that's another reason Jesus sends his Holy Spirit to his followers. So let's quickly look at three ways the Holy Spirit helps us navigate this complex relationship with the world. First, the Holy Spirit is Jesus' presence within every one of Jesus' followers. Verse 23, somebody read this for us. Thank you. At the beginning of John 14, Jesus introduces the idea of him going away, him returning to his father's house. And he comforts his disciples by telling them that if he goes, he's also going to prepare a place for them in his father's house, a room in his father's house. Now catch this because I think this is really, really important. Now, Jesus' promise through the Holy Spirit, is that he and the Father will make a room where? Within us. Within us. In the midst of this present world. Jesus is clearly paralleling the rooms of John 14.2. You can go check that verse out, John 14.2, to the home that the Father and Son are going to build in the lives of every one of Jesus' followers through the Holy Spirit who indwells every follower of Jesus. Jesus promises his presence to be with us in the midst of the world. At the heart of becoming a life-giving orchard is our own spiritual formation, allowing Jesus to dwell within us and choosing to dwell with Jesus, which we're gonna talk a whole lot more about next week. And the word that comes in John 15, remain or abide, is very closely connected to this word to make a room or to make a home within us. So we're going to be talking more about that next week. Jesus or the Holy Spirit's presence within us is going to be a teaching guide for us as we live in the midst of the world, a world living in rebellion toward God, as we saw in verses 25 and 26. Somebody want to read this again for us? Thank you, Rick. We need the Holy Spirit to be our teaching guide. We need the Holy Spirit to remind us of what Jesus actually said, to remind us of what Jesus actually did, to guide us in how do we interact in a world that is presenting us with challenges and situations and circumstances that, that didn't necessarily exist in the time of Jesus. How do we take the word of God and apply those and live in the midst of the world around us? It's a complex relationship that we need the Holy Spirit's help to navigate. We need the Holy Spirit's help to teach us how to love the world as Jesus loves the world. Secondly, Jesus promises his presence with us through the Holy Spirit is gonna bring us a deep peace in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the opposition that exists in this world. In verse 27, Jesus says, Thank you. This present world 
while deeply loved by God the Father and God the Son, remains under the rule of the prince of this world, as we see in a later verse, Satan. When we see or experience evil, when we experience suffering, and when we experience tragedy, the presence of Jesus within his followers brings a deep and a lasting peace. It is a security different than anything this world has to offer. Jesus knew the trials and the persecution that lie ahead for him this very night as he was speaking these words to his disciples. He knew the trials and the opposition and the persecution that lay ahead for many of the followers that were gathered there with him that night, who, as they're trying to navigate this complex relationship between a world that stands in opposition to Jesus and proclaiming and demonstrating the love of Jesus for that very same world, would face death of their own. The gift of the Holy Spirit gives the same peace of Jesus' presence with us, the first apostles experienced as they faced their own death for carrying out the mission of Jesus. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit's presence within us as followers of Jesus brings a power to be sent into this world to demonstrate and proclaim the love of Jesus just as Jesus did when he walked the face of this earth. In a later uh, passage, John chapter 15, verses 26 through 27, we again hear the words of Jesus. Would somebody read this for us? Thank you, Joy. The Holy Spirit is at work within this very world, testifying to who Jesus is. And Jesus makes the comparison between the Spirit's work and you and me. As followers of Jesus, we are also called to testify about Jesus, who he is, what he has done within our lives, what he is doing, the difference that he is making. And I think the things we've heard and talked about this morning, perhaps this is the hardest part for you and me to conform our lives to. We can understand the Holy Spirit wants to work within us and that the role, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to help transform us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. We're okay with the fact that the Holy Spirit is our teacher, even though sometimes we don't like what the Holy Spirit has to teach us, right? Yes, come on. We love the fact, we love the fact that the Holy Spirit brings us deep peace in the midst of the chaos of this world. But this one confronts us a little bit, at least it confronts me. So I won't project that onto all of us. It confronts me. The Holy Spirit empowers you and me, every follower of Jesus, to carry on the mission of Jesus, testifying by word and deed of his love for this world, for those who don't yet know him. Did you know, just a few verses before where our passage started this morning, John chapter 14, verse 12, Right before Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. How is that possible? Through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is just about ready to promise to them. And if you've been with us for any length of time, you probably know John 20, 21 by heart. It's one of my favorite passages. Jesus says to his followers, as he is breathing the Holy Spirit upon them, as they are receiving the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. 
Friends, are we excited about Jesus' promised gift to us? When Jesus said that it was better for him to go, should I stay or should I go? Jesus says, it is better for you that I go than for me to stay. And that must have been so incredibly confusing to Jesus' followers. I mean, come on, Jesus. We've given up everything to follow you. We've given three years of our lives to living with you. How can it possibly be better for us that you go than you stay? What are we going to do? And it wasn't just them. For just a minute, can I ask us, what would we rather have? Would we rather have the physical presence of Jesus here with us this morning? Would we rather have this gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus says is, is far better than if I was right here with you physically? What about us? I mean, how awesome would it be to have Jesus physically present here with us this morning? Right? What if Jesus was the preacher every Sunday? Wow. Probably wouldn't lose his voice. We could see Jesus perform miracles. Maybe even get a free meal from time to time because sometimes Jesus fed the large crowds, right? How cool would that be? And Jesus would always make the right leadership decisions. But Jesus has promised us something even better than having him here with us in person. He has promised to be with us, present with us within every follower of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be his followers traveling companion, our navigator for this world, the energy that fuels us to carry on Jesus's mission. And it is through the Holy Spirit that we will unite with Jesus to see Jesus' mission expand exponentially here on earth. J.D. Greer says, John 14, 12, challenges an assumption that we may hold. This promise, and he's talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is a promise the church has yet to take seriously. He says, we still think that the world will be won by a few hyper-anointed super-Christians who gather large crowds in big buildings. But Jesus said that a spirit-filled church would be infinitely more effective than that. Even if that one hyper-anointed individual was Jesus himself. Oh, I don't know about you, but this hit me. This hit me. Jesus' plan for his mission to be carried forward, it wasn't about finding a few superstars. We know that by the disciples he called. These guys, guys, they wouldn't even make most teams starting rosters, let alone be pro bowlers. These guys were not great. These are like bottom of the bucket, last guys picked. And Jesus transformed them and empowered them by sending his Holy Spirit into being his apostles and carrying on his mission in the world. It wasn't through some superstars then, and it's not through superstars now. It's not through some awesome super pastors who have great big platforms and write lots of books, but through ordinary people like me and ordinary people like you, committed to following Jesus, 
committed to living for Jesus in the midst of this world, even though that's tricky, even though that's messy, even though that is complex. And remembering and experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit makes so much possible in my life and in your life and in the lives of every ordinary follower of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, our lives are being completely restored to joy-filled wholeness through the Holy Spirit's transformational and guiding work within me and within you. We are empowered through the Holy Spirit to carry on Jesus' mission here in this world. We experience Jesus' peace in the midst of the challenges of this world. We experience the Holy Spirit's power as we testify along with him in word and deed about the greatness of who Jesus really is. No amount of human effort, no amount of human planning alone will result in us becoming a life-giving orchard. Everything, everything is dependent upon the Holy Spirit's work within us and through us. Worship team, would you come at this time? Our worship team is gonna lead us in response this morning. And I would just encourage us in this time of response, continuing on the invitation that Pastor Aaron shared last week, to lean in and to welcome the Holy Spirit's work within us afresh. Maybe our prayer this morning is just the simple prayer we sung right before the message, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. And maybe that's just our heart today. Maybe we've, we've never encountered the Holy Spirit. We didn't, the Holy Spirit's been there, but we didn't know he was there. We didn't know, didn't know what he could do within our lives. Didn't know that we needed him so desperately within our church. So maybe you just want to pray individually for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life or a fresh awakening to the Holy Spirit. Maybe you want to get together with a couple of people you're sitting with or that you came with and just pray for each other or, or pray for our church to experience a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You're welcome to pray wherever you're at. You're welcome to sing or just reflect on the words or pray at the altar. But let's allow the Holy Spirit to move among us in this time of response. So Holy Spirit, we invite you. You're already here we invite you to do what you want to do in our hearts, in our lives, in this church. Holy Spirit, we just again confess how often we try to navigate this life, how often we try to navigate the complexities of our relationship with the world, how often we try to do church without your power. Oh, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for our arrogance. Oh, Lord, I humble myself today and just declare my dependence upon you. Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Move amongst us. Today, in the days and weeks, months to come, to the point where months from now we look back and we say, wow, we could have never done that. That wasn't us. That was the Holy Spirit working within us and through us.
So come Holy Spirit. Amen.